At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we step into the new year, we're turning to the book of James for our message series, Live the Truth. In a culture preaching the power of whatever feels right to you, it's time to set aside positive vibes for a truth you can stand on. Join us as we answer James' call to reject the latest feel-good message for a mature faith. with us today. We get to enjoy the book of James in our study as we continue our, our series in this very awesome, practical, get real with Jesus kind of book. Uh, before we do, and as you're turning to the book of James, if you haven't your, if you brought your Bibles with you, and we'll get the house lights on so you can see your Bibles, that's always a helpful thing. Um, I wanted to mention the holiday that is tomorrow. Some of you don't have, how many don't have work tomorrow because it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day? Okay, yeah, Bill, you don't work ever for pay. <laughs> no school, right, for some of you? That's good. That's a good thing. Well, again, as we have these, these days that our nation sets aside, I hope that we as believers will really embrace them as an opportunities to reflect on and just those good things, uh, they're at the heart of it. Uh, we certainly uh, honor the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr., who, as a brother in Christ, uh, fought for the, um, just the human dignity that is in each one of us. And uh, we, as Christians, should be first in line for such a thing, for looking for those who are marginalized and ill-treated, and defend them, and stand in the gap for them. Uh, we, sh it, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid the church has been too slow in many, uh, in many situations, and and we've left it up to other worldviews to try to fight for something we we know in our hearts is true. Um, but we have truth. God has formed in us through His Word and through the Holy Spirit. Uh, just that true recognition that all humans are created in his image, and we should be uh, fighting for the dignified treatment of one another. So in your bulletin, we put a card there with some suggestions and ways that you can respond in a Christ-honoring way um, with this uh, kind of the thrust of the, of the holiday. Uh, we at Woodside have a Dream Center ministry in Pontiac. It's a wonderful place where if you're looking for a place to volunteer, or maybe your business or your, your work crew looks for opportunities to volunteer, it's a wonderful place uh, to serve, whether in food distribution or whether in tutoring or uh, job skills training, a number of ways where uh, they're making a difference in that wonderful city of Pontiac. Uh, the, the sanctity of human life is a, certainly an important thing to us as followers of Jesus. And the Pregnancy Center in Port Huron, Blue Water Pregnancy Center, is a wonderful place to serve. Um, maybe there's personal ways that you can be a part of demonstrating Christ's love. Um, so just, just look for ways. Don't, don't just have a day off, sleep in, go to work the next day, and don't think about really the reason uh, for this day we've set aside as a nation. Well, the book of James, you're there. How many here use a GPS on a regular basis? 
bravely raise your hand and admit that you can't find your way <laughs> without it. It's on our phones. It's a beautiful thing. We had mentioned cameras on our phone a few weeks ago. There's GPS on your phone. I mean, maybe you don't have to find your way to church with your GPS, but maybe, maybe some of you work in the city. And you found that it's just helpful just to check in and see, is there anything on I-94 you need to go around or anything like that? So you check in. Uh, maybe you take a trip and you check and find out the, the quickest route. Um, but you remember back in the day where you didn't have such an instrument? Remember when you, yeah, some just got back from Florida. Remember when you went to AAA? Some of you maybe did this. You go to AAA and say, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm heading, I got this trip. Can you, can you get me a map? And so they get all this thing together and they tell you, okay, stop by in a couple days. We'll have this trip ticks. Is that what they call that? This flip thing? And all the kids are saying, what are you talking about. But there's this really cool thing, the spiral-bound thing, and as you drive, your spouse just flips it, and you can track your way and see where you're going and what route you're on, and they can even highlight different places you could stop for a hotel, because we need help getting around, finding our way, even though we have this incredible, almost uncanny ability to find our way through our world that's so huge, still as humans we recognize that we need help. So the GPS and our phone's a big help to that. Or a printed map is a big help. Or at least calling your friend to say, so tell me again, how do I get there and where do I turn? Well, wouldn't it be great if in life there was such a thing? That there was, there was this ability to kind of either dial in or pull up the app and say, I got some decisions to make, and I'm not really sure what to do. I'll just plug in my coordinates and where I want to go, and it will just click in. He, well, here's what you say. Here's what you say to her to help work through this issue and, and get it as a, as a marriage. Here's how you get to where you want to go. Or I got this problem at work, and I don't know how to solve that. I just wish there was this ability to, to speak into, okay, Google, how do I figure out how to, and whatever job you have, and suddenly it kicks out directions. Well, as followers of Jesus, here's the awesome thing, is that we have an almighty God who's all-knowing, who is all-powerful, and he has given, given us the ability to access his wisdom. First of all, he's given his word, established in the heavens, his eternal word that is alive, and it gives life, and he's given that to us, and we live in a day that it's been translated into our heart language, and it's been printed and it's been digitized, and we have access to it at the drop of a hat, we can access his word to seek his guidance for how to live life. In the word of God, there's even specific books that have been called books of wisdom. Let me check that out. How easy is this? It's not just 66 books, and there's history, and there's prophecy, and there's um, there's you know, epistles and there's teaching, but there's books of wisdom. What is one of those books of wisdom? What do you think of? One of the 66 books, the books of wisdom. What's one of them? Proverbs. 
Proverbs, okay, it's the one you probably most think of. 31 chapters where some have put it a discipline in your life that every day you're going to read one of those chapters. And maybe by the time you're like 73, you will be so filled with wisdom uh, that you'll be able to make better decisions. But every day you want to read a chapter in Proverbs to grow. It's a great, it's a great discipline because it's filled with the riches of understanding Well, the book of James is another book of wisdom. It falls under that category of a book written for the purpose of giving wisdom to the followers of Jesus. And so we're spending time in this book realizing that we don't know all that we need to know. God knows everything there is to know. He established every truth. If there is truth, it's from him giving us this book to help us understand the direction in life we should go. It's based on, this book of James is based on this ancient truth echoed throughout the scriptures that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In fact, that would be good for you to say. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. One more time. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of of wisdom. This is where it starts to have an understanding for how to make decisions, to how to pursue directions, how to get where you believe you should go. It begins with a fear of God, a respect, an awe, a submission to the one who has all wisdom, a God who doesn't ever need counsel, who doesn't ever need help. He does never need to refer to any type of device to give him clarity for the future. That God is wisdom. In Isaiah 40, it says, Who's measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? Who's measured the spirit of the Lord? What can man show him his counsel? Whom did he consult? Who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? The answer is nobody. Nobody's ever told God something he needed to know. No one's ever given him an insight that he didn't have in and of himself. So why wouldn't we start by saying, then I'll give my life to him and believe that that's the starting point of being filled with wisdom. So James chapter 1, it's a book of wisdom. In fact, our our focus this morning is on that concept of wisdom because in chapter 1 and throughout the book, there's little snippets of this idea of wisdom. We'll look at some of them today. First of all, God's wisdom is received upon request. All right, just mark that down. This is one of the truths that God wants etched in your heart, that his wisdom is accessed, it's received when you ask for it. Here's what it says in verse 5, James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. I mean, how practical is that? If you need wisdom, ask God for it. He says, you don't know, I do. So let's start here. Just ask me. In our house, 
we've always had our kids make their own lunches for school. I know, it's tortuous, and it's unfair, and it's almost child labor. My mom asked me, she says, we never made you pack a lunch. I know, Mom, but you had, you know, there's two of us. We have six. Do you really think we want to spend all morning making six lunches? So our kids have always made a lunch. Now, every once in a while, one of the kids, or two, or four, or six, will, you'll find them kind of moping around in the morning, slamming stuff on the counter. And say, what's, what's the matter? There's nothing in here to take for lunch. Really? Well, did you ever let me know there's nothing here that you wanted to take for lunch? No. Well, how would I know? It begins, if you'd like something for your lunch, then let me know what you'd like in your lunch, and maybe there can, we can have it in the house. You can pack it. It starts by talking to the one that has access to it. James says, it's not really hard. If you don't have the insight you need, and you know that God has all insight, why don't you ask him? And we would all say, well, yeah, of course, we need to ask God. But how often are we guilty of wrestling through all these issues and worrying and stewing, staying up late at night, worrying about these things, and what are we supposed to do? Where if we were truly honest with us, we'd have to admit, I just, I never really took time to talk God to God about it. And maybe that's, maybe that's a last resort for us. That may, maybe, maybe we've got this idea that after all these years, I mean, whether you're 23 or 43 or 83, you think by, all, by this time you should know all this. But the reality is there's not one of us that knows everything you need to know for any decision you need to make. Only God does. So let's talk to him. Commentator James Frame puts it this way. He says, prayer is a means of fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Let me finish that in a moment. Some would, with this thought, you would push back and say, wait a second. If God knows everything there is to know, if I just need to ask Him, but He already knows what I need, why doesn't he just give it to me? That you, there will never be a time where you ask God for something that he won't already need you know you need it. Right? Is that true? Could you ever ask God for anything that you need where he didn't previously know that you needed it? So why do you need to pray? Well, the answer is because God is not this machine to push buttons and just divvy out things. He is a Father in heaven who loves you and knows that the most important need in your life is a relationship with Him. Not in things granted to you, not in insight given to you, but you are most satisfied when you are satisfied in Him. So He's designed this beautiful aspect of relationship that when you have need, you come to him and talk to him because as parents, you know that your joy is in your kids, not just in providing, not just in giving. 
Let me continue. James Frame puts it this way. Prayer is a means of fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus taught that prayer is like a child going to his father. The child wants something, and the father is eager to give. But more than wanting to give good gifts to our children, parents want a good relationship with them. God is not a machine that dispenses goods, but a father in a loving relationship with his children. When we ask God for wisdom, we're experiencing that joyful humility of being his child who draws near to him in a loving relationship. And God experiences the joyful reality of being our parent that cares for his child. Why do we pray? We pray, one, because we need him. Why do we ask God for wisdom? Because he is the beginning of it. And so we go to him and building that relationship, knowing that he is the one that satisfies. Later, James would write, you, you don't have because you haven't asked. And I just got to believe that James, who was this, remember, James is the, sec, the stepbrother of Jesus, right? So I just got to believe that James really begins his letter with this concept, that if you need wisdom, Ask God. I got to believe that he did that because Jesus was so consumed with convincing him that this was the reality. When Jesus, and we mentioned this before, when Jesus was about to go to the cross and then to heaven, he said multiple times, so I'm no longer going to be with you, but if you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. And he said this repeatedly in John 15. He says when he talks about, remember the abiding in the vine and you'll produce fruit. He says, if you abide in me, you will produce fruit. And you abide in me when you keep my commandments. So he says, so this is how you live this out. Abiding in Jesus by keeping his commandments and this will be done for you. This is the key. Abiding relationship with the one that has wisdom. He is our father, and we are most satisfied in him. So, let's think. When you have need with raising your kids, with dealing with grandkids, with decisions with finances in your home and repairing your furnace, and, and fixing your car, when you have decisions to make on what direction to go at work, you know, little things like that, don't you know that your father's concerned with the little things too? No wonder Paul would write to us and say, so just pray without ceasing. You just kind of live this way. You just live with the reality that Jesus is right there with you, and you just talk with him and in that internal conversation with all these decisions that come your way because God's wisdom is accessed by asking for it. Secondly, God's wisdom is requested in faith. Listen to this, verse 6. But let him ask in faith, without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So when you pray, ask in faith without 
doubting. Now, let me say from the very beginning, this has been abused by some church leaders and preachers, this idea that you just need to ask God and don't doubt. Ask in faith, don't doubt, because if you have any doubt, it won't happen. So if you pray and you ask God for healing and healing doesn't come, well, you just didn't have the faith. Or if your kids walked away, even though you were praying for them, then you just didn't pray with enough faith. But the reality is, this. remember, first of all, the context of this is not praying for whatever you want. The context is asking God for wisdom. Right? So the context is saying, God, I need insight. He says, if you ask without doubting, he will grant it to you if you ask for wisdom. But secondly, think of what doubting is. A lot of times we think of doubt simply as uncertainty. So, Father, I pray you'd give me wisdom for this decision, and I don't know which way I should go. Is doubt simply uncertain that he will give you wisdom, or is, he, or is doubt also involve distrust in the one who will give you insight? Think of that concept of doubt with asking for wisdom. A man who comes to God and says, would you give me wisdom for this? But this man is not sure that he can fully trust the wisdom of God, which is probably why he's so slow in coming to him, because he's afraid of what God might say and the insight God might have. So I don't trust fully that God's intention is best for me. So when I have this financial decision, I'll kind of, I will pray about it very faithfully because I kind of know what I want anyway. And maybe his word and his insight would cause me to see maybe my financial desires is off skew. Maybe I'm longing for something instead of longing for him. Maybe I'm willing to compromise his biblical principles of finance, and I don't want his wisdom. I just want his blessing as I follow my own wisdom. James says, if you're asking God for wisdom, doubting the God of wisdom, if you're doubting his character, if you're doubting his insight, then you'll be like a person that's like tossed in the water and the wind blows you around. There's no stability there. Last summer, I was out with Naomi on our jet ski. It's a pretty new jet ski, made in 1979. So it's been pretty reliable to us. And so the two of us got on it because we found that as long as we were you keep moving, it's big enough to hold two of us. So you hop on, you give it some gas, the other person hops on, and, and you go. It's a lot of fun, nothing to worry about. So we put in there at Dairy Queen, right? And we, we went around Russell Island. That would be a nice little drive. And we get on the other side, the east side of the island, and, and the thing quits. Well, we start again, start right back up and quit. Start right back up and quit. Start right back, quit. Now it's not starting. And she starts saying, Dad, Dad. 
Now, it's on a weekend, and as you boaters know, weekends around here are pretty crazy on the water. When you're a little jet ski, made for two people, total 250 pounds or something like that, right? You know, the water is not the smooth glass that sometimes you like it to be. And so talk about being storm-tossed, wave-tossed. And then, of course, that's the route of the freighters, right? And so they, they come through. But that's okay. Freighters will go around us, right? Because they'll see us there in the middle, and they'll, they'll go around. So all these fears come to our minds. And, and you know, I, I hear Naomi's terror behind me as her screaming. Her arms get more and more tight around me. And she's, well, I just want you to know, that's what it's like if you want to live your life seeking God's wisdom but not trusting his wisdom. There's fear and there's reason to worry. That's a good reason for you to stay up sleepless at night if you are going to seek to live your life still thinking you can outthink your creator. James says this is a terrible way to live. You can choose to live that way. Many people do. That's why the world is such a mess. That's why there seems to be so little stability out there. That's why every time you read a headline it's different. A claim, it's different. That's why truth seems to go here, and then it goes here, and this is the right way to go. But actually, now we know that's not right. This is right. You go back and forth. Society and cultures go back and forth. Why? Because they just won't trust the almighty God. And James says it's a terrible way to live. So followers of Jesus, don't live that way. You need God's wisdom? Ask him. But when you ask him, don't doubt his character. Don't doubt his insight. Don't doubt his wisdom. Don't doubt his word because we just can't outthink God. No one has, and we're not going to be the first. Thirdly, God's wisdom, according to James, results in action. Look with me at verse 19. James 1, 19. I'm going to read several verses here, and there's so much. We'll see what we can <laughs> see what we have time for. Verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, perseveres. 
being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, this man will be blessed in his doing. Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. God's wisdom is not simply for contemplation or for philosophical reflection. Those things are important. It's good to study. It's good to discern what exactly is God's word saying. What did it say to the people who received it? What's it saying to me? But for James, he insists that wisdom receives guidance and takes action. That wisdom isn't fulfilled unless we do something with it. Unless we take the action of what, on what God has said. He says, you, you, you receive the implanted word of wisdom, but if you don't act on it, you don't truly have it. It's not that God's word becomes more true when we live it out. It means that its truth impacts our lives and, do, and does its benefit when we embrace it and live according to it. He mentions several things in these verses. It's a, it's a powerful passage that, man, every verse just is so convicting to me. He says, when you're seeking God's wisdom... It's the aspect of having God's righteousness lived out in our life. Remember, God's righteousness, simplest way to understand that is like God's rightness. When things are right, that's God's righteousness. So seeking wisdom is seeking what's right and living it. But if we don't listen... If we don't seek to listen and learn, if you have that personality that says, I'd, I'd just rather say than hear. <laughs> I'd rather give my opinion than receive an opinion. And when it comes to your relationship with God, you'd much rather tell him than hear from him. Then you can know that you're going to miss out on that wisdom. So let every man be swift to hear, quick to understand and if you respond rashly and quickly in anger, you're just going to miss out the righteousness of God. You're not going to experience what's right if you're quick in your, in your wrath, in your, in your, if your fuse is short. If your spouse says, you just get so angry so quickly, take note and understand God is graciously giving you a warning that you're pressing into foolishness. When you're quick to anger, if you've got a reputation at work of being somebody that you just don't want to set off, take note of that. Know this is God's grace saying to you, you're walking in troubled waters because you can't fulfill the rightness of God if you're quick to anger. That's what he's warning us. He says, if you live according to the natural inclinations of your heart, what you'll have is brokenness. He says, so put away filthiness and wickedness, and instead receive with meekness the implanted word, which will save your souls. And then he says, but if you just hear this and don't do it, 
They're like the guy that takes a break, goes in the restroom, sees a piece of broccoli in his tooth, and says, oh, that's hideous, and doesn't do anything about it. Or you're just going on thinking this, I'm just willing to make a fool of myself. Because the word has spoken, and I haven't responded, and the word has done nothing good for me. This is so true of salvation. This, this reality that God loved the world so much, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. There's so many in our culture anyway that that would attest to that truth that, yep, God sent his son, Jesus. I mean, how do you explain Christmas and Easter? And so we celebrate that, and we probably tip our hat to, to such a thing. Maybe, maybe there's um, students here or kids here, or maybe there's adult kids here that you're along for the ride and you attest to it. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean... Not a lot of better claims out there, so it's probably true. But unless one has confessed, has believed in his heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and unless you've confessed with your mouth, in other words, unless you've lived your life according to it, there's, there's doubt whether you've truly believed so part of the experience of God's gift of salvation is responding to his gift by turning from your sin and placing your faith in what he's done and living according to his ways. Because that's the fruit of your belief. So I guess it starts there. None of God's wisdom matters much to us if we haven't by faith, responded to his word and embraced his truth? Has there been a time in your life, a day in your life, when you've, when you've said yes to God? When you've professed your faith and you've, you've given your life to him? Have you chosen, truly responded to follow him? But then truly, every day of a Christian's life is living this way of hearing the truth and doing something about it, of receiving his word and then saying, okay, so what difference is this going to make in my life? How am I going to now live in his wisdom? Because unless I apply his wisdom, his wisdom hasn't benefited me. I mean, J James really drills down here as he deals with wisdom and reveals where the blessing comes. In fact, he kind of gives a beatitude, right? You're familiar with beatitudes. Jesus began the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God, and so on, right? We want to live like that. We want to be blessed. Well, James says, well, here's the thing. The blessing doesn't come unless you do. The blessings from the Father are the result of your trusting the wisdom from the Father. So if you want to be blessed by the God of all blessing, then it's time to do. Not just hear the word, but do the word. Verse 25, the one who looks into the perfect law and perseveres and does it, this 
person is blessed. Not the one who knows the command to honor one another, yet treats their spouse with harshness. Not that person. That person doesn't get the blessing of God. Just because you know you're supposed to honor one another doesn't mean you've got God's blessing in this area because it only comes to the one who truly honors one another. It doesn't come to the one who knows the power of the Scriptures but doesn't spend time in it. This blessing that James speaks of It's not the one who can list the seven fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and on and on. It doesn't come to those that know it. The blessings from the Father comes from the one that lives it, that surrenders to the Father, is led by the Spirit. That's where the fruit begins to be expressed. James says, here's the thing about wisdom. It's free. The Father loves to grant it. So just ask Him. But when you ask Him, ask with the spirit of confidence in Him that His insights is so much better than yours. And as you're trusting Him and listening for Him, as He speaks to you, before He even gives you His wisdom, have the commitment to do it. That's the hard part. If you have a person that you're struggling in relationship with and you don't really know how to maneuver through that as you seek God's wisdom, begin that prayer by saying, Father, I will do what you call me to do. And would you give me wisdom? Because asking for wisdom with no intention to follow through is that man who's out on the waters with no energy to get back. James says that's a terrible way to live. So as we ponder this, let's go back to what you said at the very beginning, that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. I know as we head into 2022, You want to live more wisely than how you lived 2021. We want to have more insight. We want to have more uh, more godliness in our life. So maybe we need to begin at that point with the question of, am I fully surrendered? That's what James is essentially saying, is are you living as a follower of Jesus, fully following Jesus? Are you willing to say, before God gives you his wisdom, Father, I'm going to trust you because I've surrendered myself to you? Let's ponder that question as we close. Father, would you, would you just reveal to us where we are in our hearts? Have we, have we truly begun our journey with you in this year with a with a full-hearted surrender to you? Or, or are we still pressing on, thinking things are going to get having gripped the steering wheel of our life, determining our direction, being in charge of our destiny? Father, would you, would you begin there? Would you 
just break our heart of pride. Father, we want to surrender to you because we found there's, there's no greater joy in our hearts when we are fully surrendered to you. That's when there's, that's when there's burdens are taken away. That's when there's insight for life. That's when it seems, Lord, that we have all that we need. And so we return to that place this, this morning. And we ask you to take control that you would reign in every aspect of our life. Be our God. May we be your children. May we trust you, trust your heart that you are good, that you are wise, that you are always good and wise. And may we be willing to follow you every step of the way. So just be with us as we contemplate this, as we consider this call to surrender ourselves to you as our good Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's Let's contemplate this question. Am I fully surrendered to Him? Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.